0: Welcome everyone to Weekly Creep.
1: Yay, we said it right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, so this week is my week, and today's topic is sleep paralysis. Have you ever had sleep paralysis?
1: I have had sleep paralysis on multiple occasions. As a child, in one specific bed, in the house where i grew up for years anytime i slept there particularly during the day i'd have sleep paralysis but i didn't see any of the gnarly shit i just couldn't move other than my eyes and then as an adult um only once or twice but again i never saw anything except for once when i was like had a really heavy weekend of drinking and i was just hallucinating i I think like i had the shakes and all that
0: Oh, okay. Well, I've had sleep paralysis uh a few times. And when I was researching this topic, they came back to my head, like, the instances that I had. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized, fuck, I was really fucking scared. It's really fucking scary.
1: Oh, yeah, it's horrible.
0: Yeah, I uh, remember... There was a few times where I was asleep having these dreams where I couldn't wake myself up and also times where I would be paralyzed and I would see things in my room and my mom would have to come in to wake me up because she said that I was screaming with my mouth closed.
1: Oh, yeah. I've had that before. Like the... mm!
0: yeah yeah,
2: it's
0: yeah it sucks because like you're trying to formulate words but you just can't you know like sometimes i would try to cry out for my parents and i just couldn't because my mouth would be closed
1: yeah and you're like trying to hit yourself or like yeah you know actually what um i haven't seen the movies kill bill but i've seen the one scene where she like gets out of the hospital and she's in her trying to move her toe yeah and she just keeps saying wiggle your big toe wiggle your big toe that i have actually done that um like a few times when i've had i think i I have have had sleep paralysis as an adult more times than i remember because i specifically remember going through that in my head and doing the whole like you know okay just stay calm like talking myself through it yeah. Like that's how lucid it is. And yeah, that's my thing. I'll be like, wiggle your big toe, wiggle your big toe, and then eventually I'll just fucking wake up or fall back asleep. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Alright, so sleep paralysis. When I first researched decided to research this topic, first of all, I I decided to research this topic because one of our listeners has suggested it. She said she'd really wanted to hear our opinion about um the topic and so i said okay well let's give the listeners what they want
1: yep absolutely we are here to please you <laughs>
2: that's weird
0: <laughs> right then um so as i mentioned before um i went in there i i went into this thinking that you know all right i'm going to get the definition of sleep paralysis uh maybe some stories um maybe, like, find the different sleep paralysis demons, what they're called. And, you know, that's it. You know, get it wrapped up in a pretty bow and present it to you. But the more I dug into this topic, the more questions I had. And it turned into a big thing for me, you know? Right on. I realized that the term sleep paralysis, just saying, oh, I'm going to talk about sleep paralysis is very, it's, 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 it's basic to say. It's almost like, it's very vague when I talk, when I say sleep paralysis, because it's almost as vague as me saying, hey, everyone, you know, this is a college course on science, You know, okay, but what fucking science? There's several kinds, you know? So that's how I felt when I was researching this. So, like, it has several layers. Yeah, it just kept going deeper and deeper. Exactly. You went
1: down the rabbit hole.
0: Oh, yes, I did.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So what you're saying is this is going to be a very long episode.
0: You're probably going to hear me talk the most in this episode. Right
1: on. I'm just going to sit back and... Absorb.
0: Okay. So, what is sleep paralysis? Tell me. This is um, a definition that I found uh, from the Mayo Clinic's website. Okay? hmm So, science understands it, understands it as this. A temporary inability to move or speak while falling asleep or upon waking. Sleep paralysis most often occurs in people who have narcolepsy or sleep apnea, but it can affect anyone. Episodes involve not being able to speak or move while falling asleep or upon waking. This usually lasts one or two minutes and is often frightening. So, who can get sleep paralysis? Some causes are stress inconsistent sleep schedules sleeping on your back so literally anyone can have sleep paralysis that's just us yeah exactly right so i found the definition uh primarily very vague right it's like saying people who breathe mostly eat yeah it's like you know what i'm saying
1: black people uh, white people yeah (laughs) asian people like you know (laughs) yeah yeah well, I will, I've never had it while I'm falling asleep. I've only ever had it, like, upon waking. Yeah. And I think if I got it while falling asleep, I would be way too scared to sleep.
0: Yeah, yeah. See, I had, I'm had. i the same. Hmm. I got it upon waking. I didn't know you could get it as you were falling asleep. Yeah, fuck that. So, and, and it happens. It's just as common as sleep paralysis that happens as you're waking. So, anyways... I know we're here to get the spooky side of sleep paralysis, but I think it's fair to note this purely because it's interesting. When does sleep paralysis usually occur? So here's like some scientific terms and blah, blah, blah. blah. Sleep paralysis usually occurs at one of two times. If it occurs while you're falling asleep, it's called hypnogogic or pre-dormital sleep paralysis. If it happens as you're waking up, it's called hypnopompic or post-dormital sleep paralysis. <laughs>
1: hypnopompic? Yeah. I'm going to try and use that in a sentence.
0: What happens with hypnagogic sleep paralysis? I hope I'm pronouncing that right. It sounds just <laughs> it's it, it's spelled just as awkwardly as I'm saying it. As you fall asleep, your body slowly relaxes. Usually, you become less aware So you do not notice the change. However, if you remain or become aware while falling asleep, you may notice that you cannot move or speak. What happens with hypnopompic sleep paralysis? During sleep, your body alternates between REM, which is rapid eye movement, and NREM, non-rapid eye movement, sleep. One cycle of REM and NREM sleep Lasts about 90 minutes. NREM sleep occurs first and takes up to 75% of your overall sleep time. During NREM, your body relaxes and restores itself. At the end of NREM, your sleep shifts to REM. Your eyes move quickly and dreams occur, but the rest of your body remains relaxed. Your muscles are turned off. During REM cycle, if you become aware before the REM cycle has finished, you may notice that you cannot move or speak. Now, I found this very interesting because it's it's almost like that fear you get. Like, say you're going to go under because you're going to have a surgical procedure. You know what I'm saying? And you kind of are scared that you'll be conscious while this surgery is happening.
1: I've never experienced that myself, but... I understand what you're saying
0: yeah i think you know it's terrifying
1: yeah that it sounds fucking awful
0: yeah i don't know it just i thought of that now let's dive into the spook
1: give me that spook
0: (laughs) i want to start with the sleep paralysis encounters from around the world first to see if there's a link between someone's culture and what they see during sleep paralysis or maybe if it's Maybe it's purely based on what the individual defines as terrifying. Or maybe there are sleep demons that visit us all on a global scale. So that was my, you know, question.
2: Yeah.
0: So let me show you my findings. Please do. (laughs) I found an article on NCBI.com about a sleep paralysis demon called the Pisadera, who is described as a crone with long fingernails. Who lurks on roofs at night in order to trample on the chest of those who sleep that
1: well <laughs> <laughs> it so would that be similar to like the old hag Is that a you want me to not say that? I'll get there. Have people said that they've seen this thing like obviously they've they're saying that they woke up to feel something on their chest, but before sleep, like have they seen it lurking around on? rooftops and shit like that.
0: Some people who have sleep paralysis have mentioned that they see certain things when they're awake and when they're asleep and sometimes it's the same demon that you know what you know what we're going to define as demon. We're just going to call it a demon or a creature or whatever it is. But
1: like in their everyday life like just walking around. Some do. Okay, okay. Some do.
0: Uh-huh. And some people some some people see it while they're awake and asleep or one or the other you know yeah so
1: but multiple reports of this same
0: which is why people are able to come to a consensus of what this creature looks like
2: Oh. Okay. do you get what I'm saying yeah yeah
0: luis da camara cascudo a renowned fl- folklorist born in brazil as further Further details to the physical description of Pisadera as gaunt, having unkempt hair, and gender fluid, meaning it can appear as female to some and male to others.
1: Okay, so that could be like multiple.
0: Yeah, because I mean, if it's a dude, dudes can have long hair and long nails.
1: No, I, <laughs> I understand. I mean, though, no, it's like it's not like it's this one entity. It's like almost a species of things. We'll
0: we'll get there. Okay. (laughs) It could be. That's a possibility. Okay. Yeah. So we'll touch on that as we go further down the rabbit hole. Basically, Pisadera is the nightmare personified. He also uses etymological references in other languages. To further describe this demon, the word nightmare in Portuguese is pesadelo, which is derived from peso or pesado, which means heavy, which is interesting because there are stories of people seeing demons who sit on them to restrict their breathing, like in the countryside of Brazil. Yeah. And in Spanish, nightmare is pesadilla, so, uh, yeah, peso, peso means like heavy. Okay. Yeah. So, for the same reason, you know? That's gross. There's a saying in Mexico for sleep paralysis, it's called, uh it's called like, se te sube, se te sube el muerto, which basically means that there's a dead corpse lying on you uh. because you can't move.
1: Right, right. It's like, it's. There's something holding you down rather than you not being okay. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> there uh, again in the countryside of Brazil, the pesadera pesa- is fat and heavy with a red cape who steps on the abdomen of those who sleep on a full stomach or belly up.
1: Okay, I always sleep on my back and usually with a full stomach, especially lately. Yeah. Where's the red cape coming from?
0: Some people... Okay. So, there's also... I, I noticed that the color red shows up a lot when it comes to shadow people or um, the old hag or...
1: The, let's just call that like sleep demons.
0: Basically, oh. sleep demons. Um, because some reports are that they have red eyes. Okay. You know? Red capes. Red something. Yeah. And I'm wondering if it's because they're actually red or if it's because in our heads, red and black seem to personify darker aspects. Yeah,
1: like evil or, or right. danger or something.
0: exactly. I mean, when you think of the devil.
1: Oh, yeah. You know what Straight away, like, yeah, black and red.
0: Black and red, exactly.
1: That man, the devil.
0: Yeah, or like darkness, you know just darkness is black and it's unknown it's a void it's something that you don't understand you know yeah yeah so I, I naturally think black so and also it's the absence of all color
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know so anyways just something to think about <laughs>
2: while you're driving home <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: Late at night, the lights are out.
0: <laughs> so, I, like I wrote down, does this sound familiar? It's the old hag. The old hag is a most common seen sleep paralysis demon. Catalonia, a region in Spain, has the tail of the pesanta, a black dog, often... Oh, a black animal, sorry. Often a dog or a cat. That invades people's homes and sits on their chest while they're sleeping. Making it difficult to breathe and causing nightmares with their steel paws. So when we were watching the movie right now, The Nightmare, they, um, there was a story where this guy was saying that he would get visited by this shadow person. And with a hood. And he woke up and the thing was whispering to it like menacingly like the thing, the creature was staring at him while he was in bed and he was in bed next to his girlfriend and his girlfriend was having sleep paralysis at the same time only she didn't see the tall figure next to her boyfriend what she saw was a black shadow cat on her chest that was speaking a language to the boyfriend like it was facing the boyfriend it had red eyes so it was kind of just ignoring her completely to look at the boyfriend
1: but he was hearing essentially what the cat was saying but from a different figure in the room
0: no he heard the speaking from the figure so it could have been that he didn't notice the cat because his attention
1: was on this person.
0: Was on, yeah. The wow. ob- the obvious, more obvious danger here.
2: Yeah, fucking hell.
0: Yeah. So, you know, instances like that are peculiar to me because, well, we'll get into it.
1: But yeah, two people having the same dream of any sort is...
0: That's where it becomes... Weird. Like- t- to me, It it goes from... That's why when I read this initially when I when I researched this I was like okay the scientific um explanation is like a blanket it covers all right but compared to all these stories worldwide and how um how detailed they are um what it all what their experiences all encompass It's much more complicated than just that blanket statement. These experiences are so much more complex than what we originally think when we hear the term sleep paralysis. Yeah. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, yeah. Like, I kind of was expecting you to turn around when you said sleep paralysis. You were going to go, science says it's... You know, after so many studies, this is the reason. No way. But like already, yeah, they're they're like...
0: It gets more complicated. Two people
1: sharing the same dream. Exactly.
0: Mm -hmm. Among an ethnic group in Vietnam and Laos, a pressing spirit sits on sleeper's chest and tries to asphyxiate them. So there's that in that part of the world. Yeah. Japanese folklore refers to a summoner who calls upon a vengeful spirit to suffocate enemies through a phenomena called kaneshibari, which is a state of being totally bound as if constrained by metal chains. In Newfoundland, Canada, it's the old hag that comes and sits on a sleeping person. You summon the hag by reciting the Lord's Prayer backwards. There are a lot of places around the world that describe a demon sitting on you and preventing you to move, though. So I get, what I'm trying to say is, there's always a fucking creature coming out the woodworks as you're awake and sleep and sleeping at the same time that sits on you.
1: Yeah, and what I like about these kind of stories is that so many diverse groups, yes, all saying the same thing. Exactly. Essentially, yeah.
0: yeah. So that. That just negates my original thought of, well, maybe it's a cultural thing. You know, maybe culture has something. Ireland
1: with the banshee or something.
0: Maybe the culture has something to do with what these people see. Or maybe it's what they really are scared of is what they see. But no, they all see the same same thing. In Sardinia, one of Italy's islands, there's an old belief that identifies the cause of sleep paralysis in a demonic being called amutadori this ghoulish creature sits on the chest of the sleeping victim suffocating him and sometimes ripping the skin with his nails it's also it's also believed in some parts of the island that this demon wears seven red red caps on his head if the victims resist the pain and succeeds to steal one of the caps He will soon find a hidden treasure as a reward.
1: Seven hats.
0: But they're red. Seven. Is my thing.
1: Oh, sorry. Yeah.
0: (laughs) You're focusing on the wrong thing. I was just like, what
1: (laughs) greedy bastard needs seven hats? (laughs) How big is his fucking head?
0: In Moroccan culture, sleep paralysis is known as bu ratat which means a demon that presses and covers the sleeper's body so they cannot move or speak. In Swahili speaking areas of southeast africa it's known as jinnamizi or strangled by jinn which refers to a creature sitting on one's chest it di- making it difficult for him to breathe it's attributed to result from a person sleeping on his back most people also recall being strangled by this creature in arab culture sleep paralysis is often referred to jathum literally means what sits heavily on something in folklore across Arab countries. The Jathum is believed to be a shaitan or ifrit sitting on top of the person or it's also choking them. Um, It's said that it can be prevented by sleeping on your right side and reading the throne verse in the Quran. In Turkish culture, sleep paralysis is known as Karabasin, the dark presser. It is believed to be a creature that attacks people in their sleep, pressing on their chest, stealing their breath. However, folk legends do not provide a reason why the devil or Ifrit does that. In Persian culture, it's known as Batak, which is a ghost-like creature that sits on the dreamer's chest. So this shit is everywhere. All over Asia, Africa, Europe, you name it. The the old hag is worldwide.
1: Yeah, yeah. In one form or another.
0: Like Pitbull, Mr. Worldwide. What? <laughs> you don't know who Pitbull is? No. <laughs> he's like he's like a Puerto Rican rapper. He calls himself Mr. Worldwide.
1: <laughs> I genu- I thought you meant the dog. I was like No. <laughs> okay, I was just gonna agree with you anyway, but <laughs> <laughs> Every time we go to say right there in I think it was the Turkish one, you said uh The creature sits on the people's chests and steals their breath. I keep expecting you to say bread. Don't know why. And in my head, it's like, oh, those
0: bastards. Dude, you just ate.
1: I did. (laughs) I had some cake in the kitchen, too.
0: Oh, fuck, yeah. We have cake. I forgot about that. It was my dad's birthday the other day. Yep. That cake slaps. All right. So I, I wrote, but is it always the hag? Others have reported seeing the rake from Creepypasta. The way the rake is described kind of sounds like the old hag, though. Just really skinny with claws and shit. Other times the rake is described as a dog, like in Spain. Remember I told you that they have this thing called the pesanta. Hmm. You see the connection here? Basically, whatever is real fucking skinny has four limbs and some fucking claws.
1: Yeah, but there's a difference between having four limbs and being a dog, and having four limbs and being a well, the rake is like.
0: well, like the rake and old hag, they both have the same characteristic in that they're hunched over. So if if it's dark in your room because you're asleep and you really don't know what you're looking at, you, I mean, you could say it's a creature that looks either like a dog. Or whatever.
1: Because they're so hunched over? Yes. Like, okay,
0: okay. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. What stands out as a bit different from from the hag is the shadow man with the hat.
1: Oh, old Mr. Hat.
0: Some people have seen the hat man in their sleep. And others have seen him while they're awake. There's actually a website called the com, where people submit their own personal accounts of the hat man. I want to talk about what I think of these demons personally first. I think there are demons or creatures that we don't understand that have their own environments, ways of eating, existing, and moving. Maybe this is a species of creatures that visit us in our sleep and feeds off our fear. I don't think it's just one old hag visiting everyone around the world simultaneously. If it were... Then we would be dealing with something grand, like the universe, in which case its existence would be undeniable and more in your face, you know? Just like the hat man. Also, I think the old hag and the man with the hat are different species from each other. I found this article on otherworldlyoracle.com that puts it in words better. It can apply to the old hag as well.
1: Oh, okay, okay.
0: So he writes, because this is a guy's blog, Okay, check it out, otherworldlyoracle.com. The multiple appearances of the hat man, while seemingly very similar, isn't exactly the same. The hat man wears different outfits, different hats, and appears in different places all over the world. If the hat man is Satan, that means Satan is omnipresent and omnipotent, which again, I don't buy. Could there be a Satan? Yes. But the idea that he has the same level of power as, quote unquote, almighty God is beyond logic and beyond what churches teach. Secondly, if the hat man, a.k.a. Satan, was one being, why would he change outfits? It's like, hold my fedora for me, Beelzebub. I must change into my cape and top hat now. This victim is a fancy one, so I need to impress him. <laughs> yeah,
1: this is pop punk hat, huh? <laughs> man.
0: Doubtful. Furthermore, if Satan does exist, why would he be wasting time on little people all over the world? If anything, he'd be showing himself to the higher ups like politicians, royalty, and the richest people in the world, not Bob the plumber from down the street. <laughs> The hat man isn't one finite being, there are multiple hat men. Whether these were men who dressed in a certain fashion when they died and now carry that over into the afterlife is yet to be determined, but makes more sense to me than an all-powerful being who enjoys changing outfits from one victim to the next. And again, why would Satan be wasting his time on any Tom, Dick, or Harry? instead of going after bigger fish to exact his plan on destroying the world and humankind. You know?
2: Mm -hmm.
0: My experience with shadow people is connected directly to my bouts of sleep paralysis. I'm also an astral astral traveler and lucid dreamer, so my take is astral beings and low-level entities will feed on your energy while your soul is out traveling in the beyond at night. This is why you see them when you're in that hypnagogic state. You basically catch them feeding on your body's energy as your astral body is re-entering your physical body.
1: That's a very interesting theory.
0: It's a lot like that movie um, *Insidious*. Remember when he tried to astral project to go into the
1: yeah the and other all world? the other things? Oh, they were looking for his uh, to use his vessel, kind of thing. Yeah. Right. Right.
0: But that's my thing though, like I completely agree with that. You know, it makes a lot of sense. But like I said, like what he thinks about the Hat Man can be applied to the old hag. Yeah. There could be several of these old hags. It's just a species.
1: But yeah, it's just it's just a type of entity, like
0: right. This writer mentions shadow people, which got me thinking. Is the hat man or hat men different from shadow people or are they the same thing with similar origins and intentions? This question brings me to thehatmanproject.com Tim Brown, the guy who owns the site, wrote that he's seen the hat man with a crew of shadow people.
1: Yeah, I remember hearing a story similar to this before. It's like you think there's different tiers of yes like the strength like, okay, yes okay.
0: on ranker.com uh maggie mcclellan and she's a writer writes about different classes of shadow people with different purposes right so get ready okay. yes there are different kinds there are shadow people who attack you while you sleep there's also red-eyed shadow people she writes People who claim to have encountered the red eyed shadow people, their gaze causes unadulterated terror, and the more terrified the victim becomes, the better.
1: I have seen the red eyed shadow person. Yeah? Yeah. Tell me more. Scared the absolute shit out of me. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's their intent, you know? No, to I, get a I rise d- out of you.
1: completely understand. There. Uh, yeah not, you know what i mean yeah mumbo mumbo mumbo
0: <laughs> there's a hooded shadow figure who radiates hate basically it's a shadow person that is wearing a hood and its presence is very malicious like you can get these vibes off like it just fucking yeah. hates you there is the watchman shadow figure that just lurks and watches you but won't attack
1: that's nearly worse
0: yeah Another flavor of shadow people is misty shadow people that move like smoke. They're seemingly intelligent, and they are attracted to negative people and places. They're, like, um, not clearly as defined as yeah, the others. Yeah, yeah. and um, they move f- fluid-like.
1: So when she says the watcher or the watchman, That he can't attack. Do the other ones have a reputation of actively harassing their victims? Yes. Okay. How?
0: By choking or pressing on them.
1: Oh, so they are there. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Kedlinen also included an elusive type of shadow person that will vanish when noticed. She writes... Though most type of shadow people are known to stare incessantly, there is one type that prefers to snoop unnoticed. The elusive shadow people prefer to peek around corners and blend in with the shadows. If noticed, they will disappear immediately. Like the benevolent shadow people, who make their observations more obvious, these elusive shadows don't incite any negative feelings, but some people believe that they serve as scouts for more malicious entities. Others, though, feel that they are just playful and curious. Chew yeah. on that.
1: Yeah, like in my experiences, I haven't personally seen any of these or anything, but I, I get that whole trickster um, entity, I guess. That whole trickster entity, in terms of like they're just out to, to poke fun and to confuse people. And it just raises the level of fear and anxiety in a place in general. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) She also writes that there are shadow people that want company from humans and others that just show up and don't want to interact with people. They're even shadow cats. Now, here's a question. What if shadow people are actually just spirits, but to the people who see them, they look like shadows? All these different kinds of classes just sound like different kinds of ghosts to me, or spirits, or whatever you prefer to call them. They also kind of sound like djinn. Jinn, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because if there's if there's a there's shadow people, or ghosts that just mind their own business, you know, that they, they they all could be of the same ilk. We don't know.
1: It could be any or all of them, like exactly. Yeah, like maybe this is just the frequency they're coming through on and this is how we're seeing them
0: yeah lastly there's the hat man who gets his own class
1: this is the big dog yes mr hat himself
0: right aaron mccann from ranker.com writes that amongst all the shadow people the hat man is the worst of them all the hat man appears as a completely dark figure like shadow people the obvious appearance of uh, the obvious difference is the hat man wears the hat which has appeared as a top hat in some sightings and a fedora in others while many people aren't able to make out what he is wearing some report see some report seeing old-fashioned clothing a long trench coat or a cape and he always appears at least six feet tall the hat man's face is also usually indistinguishable but many who have Many who he has visited have claimed he has glowing red eyes, unlike, you know, or I guess like other shadow people. There's also been reports that the hat man carries a gold watch attached by a chain to his belt, and he will occasionally look at it.
1: That's very strange.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I've I've read some stories and a lot of them describe him looking like Dick Tracy- or like, you know, that Mad TV spy versus spy cartoon? Well, people that were not babies in the 90s <laughs> will remember spy versus spy. He has been known to grab or choke people, but it's also kn- he is also known to just stand and stare. He also walks away from people when he is done staring at you, which is different from other shadow people who just disappear. He can also emanate negative feelings. He could be demonic. He shows up to people in abusive relationships or environments. There is a story in the article that is a recount of an attempted suicide where the guy wakes up in the hospital and sees the hat man. Before the hat man left, it spoke and said, I almost had you. And lastly, he can appear to you during sleep paralysis like the old
1: hag. He almost sounds like a like a Grim Reaper or like like I don't fucking know, like one of the minions of the Grim Reaper or some shit. Like if you especially if you're seeing him with a watch, he's like checking his time and then when he realizes okay he's he's come back to his body or she or whatever. And then he just walks out casually like up, oh, not today, Fred.
0: Right. Weird. Okay. So what do we think so far about, you know, shadow people, sleep paralysis, the old hag and all that stuff?
1: Well, in my own opinion, and this kind of was my opinion anyway to do with shadow people. Like a lot of people, again, like the kind of buzzword for the last, what? 10 15 years is demon anyway so i think a lot of people once they hear shadow person they're like oh it's bad maybe it is just a regular spirit like what you were saying like this is just how they're coming through and that's it not like they don't mean any like no negative fucking connotations or anything like that this is just how you are seeing them but in terms of the old hag and all of these similar entities like the the depressor and and the you know, sitting on people's chests. They're all doing the same fucking thing. They're causing sleep paralysis and stuff. I think it's it's very interesting, like I was saying earlier, like with the how many different cultures, countries, areas, regions, whatever, all coming back with essentially the same story. Maybe like a slight twist on it, like, oh, I saw a dog or I saw a man, I saw a woman, or you know. I but I but I do think is very interesting is this like hierarchy of shadow people theory i hadn't heard that before
0: i think there is several kind of creatures um shadow people different classes that may have the same intentions or maybe they're different i i they are different they're, they're all different, which is why they have different classes. But what I mean is, um, they're all like their origin could be coming from different places, you know? And I think that when we're going through, when humans go through a sleep paralysis, they see them because I believe that whoever's having this sleep paralysis is not completely in their bodies I think these people are probably astral projecting whether they're awake whether they're asleep and I think these otherworldly creatures that are possibly in another dimension that we don't see with our human eyes show up to us present themselves to us because they know that we can see them at that point and I think the ones that are just there they are just going about their lives and they're like oh shit like i don't you know how like sometimes we can see there sometimes a person can see a ghost out of nowhere and be like oh shit i don't know where this ghost appeared and to them when we astral project they're like oh shit a human soul just appeared yeah yeah. you know what i'm saying and the ones with ill intent they gravitate towards us because i feel like we are our most vulnerable in those times and I think when our soul leaves our bodies it never leaves our bodies completely because I think if it did then that would mean we'd be dead I think we are spiritually tethered to our bodies kind of like an umbilical cord like a baby with through an umbilical cord to its mother I think there is a tether that keeps us to us to our bodies and that's why when people astral project astral project they can feel themselves go into their bodies or even see themselves lying in the bed while they're walking around
1: yes yeah, so it's almost like sleep paralysis is say your soul slipping back into your skin
0: and i think there's a correlation between astral projecting and lucid dreaming i think people who lucid dream are more equipped to protect themselves and have better control than people who astral project without knowing that they're doing so.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: This is what I learned through all this. (laughs) I have some personal accounts of sleep paralysis if you're interested in listening to them.
1: I am always interested.
0: Okay. So, I got these from com. It's a... Micah's personal blog this one was written by someone called 25 years ago
1: that's their their name is 25 years ago okay
0: yeah he writes he or she writes I still remember the encounter vividly though I couldn't move and make a sound with my voice my mind was totally awake and could feel think etc. That day, I was already asleep. Suddenly, I opened my eyes and looked to the end of the bed, to the door, when it was opened by itself. The corridor was really dark, but there was this thing that was even darker than the darkness. It was the deepest darkness I'd ever seen and felt. It was also very big. It was filling up the doorway, and because it was so much darker than the background, I could see the silhouette of the hat and the long coat. He stood there for a while and then began to come towards me. He was gliding or floating. There were no up and downs of his head and body. I couldn't move my body. I was shouting in fear, but my mouth didn't move and my voice didn't leave my head. Strangely, I could still roll my eyes, not my head. So I looked down to the side and saw his lower part of him which means the silhouette of the coat and the darkness inside the coat was not touching the floor and there were no feet when he was next to my head he turned and stood there and looked down on me then he slowly bowed himself closer and closer to my face as if he wanted to scrutinize it i just screamed still no voice as a dark shape came over my face and covered my sight. Then I had a blackout. When I opened my eyes, it was the next morning and the door was closed. I never doubted that it was real. This happened in Germany, and almost 20 years later in Korea, I heard the name Hatman and of other people having this kind of story all over the world.
1: Whoa. <laughs> that sounds just awful yeah
0: this one's from a username Anhavak. omg <laughs> i thought i may not have seen the same being until i read your comment the first time i saw him i was around nine or ten years old it was in the corridor at my school one morning he appeared as if from out of a portal that was swirling clockwise he didn't appear all at once rather piece by piece starting with his black leather shining shoes, then his pants and gloves. In one hand, he held a cigarette, and in the other, a walking stick. The glove holding the cigarette moved to where the mouth had not yet appeared, and smoke was exhaled as though someone were smoking. His coat, and then finally his hat. It wasn't as though I was terrified like so many other people's accounts, but more curious and amazed, I walked around the portal, which was almost two-dimensional because it was flat when seen from the side, although it looked 3D from the front. I could see through it to the clothing appearing from thin air. It was almost as if the portal was not a portal at all, yet there was this figure becoming right before my eyes. It was silent. It had flecks of purple through its swirls when i looked from behind i saw his coattails like they wore to great balls balls (laughs) once he was fully formed i don't know how long it took but it seemed like a fair amount of time his appearance was not immediate i stood before this man and looked at him with a clear head he seemed almost as perplexed as i was i suspect on account of my lack of fear he opened his mouth and spoke Although I could not understand his words, his voice was deeper than any I'd ever heard still to this day. I did not run. Instead, I walked away from him, through my classroom, and then outside to the courtyard. I figured I'd be safer outdoors. He followed me, but didn't chase me. After, he did come outside. When I went back, he and the portal were gone and didn't return. You know what this reminds me of? What? monsters inc when they go to different places to scare children <laughs> so they can siphon the fear and the guy yeah, was like yeah, oh yeah. wait you're not scared uh i guess <laughs> i'm wasting my time here I like, wait what
1: <laughs> so she said that he she could see the clothes
0: like they were just solid black
1: so she could make out like the outline of clothes I guess. yeah okay he seems very like just nonchalant about everything like just strolling through having a smoke and then yeah something. weird I've, I've never heard a story quite like that
0: Yeah, that's, yeah, that's what that was. Noteworthy.
1: Yeah.
0: By Kristen. One week ago, Sunday, October 11th, I woke up in the middle of the night and saw a man standing at the foot of my bed, looking right at me. He was tall, wore the tallest black top hat I had ever seen. (laughs) The hat was about twice the size of an Abe Abe Lincoln style top hat. Jesus. It would almost touch the ceiling. He had on a black oilskin duster raincoat, like what someone in a Western movie would wear. I thought a real person had broken into our house, and I felt terrified and I screamed. I did not get a supernatural vibe at all. It just seemed to me like a real intruder. My husband started shaking me and saying, You're having a bad dream. Wake up, wake up. I knew I was already awake and was shocked that instead of doing anything about the intruder, my husband was focusing all his attention on telling me to wake up. I pointed to the man and said, there's a man standing right there. My husband said, there is no man.
1: (laughs) There is no man.
0: (laughs) I was still trying to comprehend why he was not seeing him and yelled incredulous. He's right there. All this time, the tall man in the room just stood there silent and motionless, hands at his side, just looking at me. Suddenly he vanished. I sat up and asked my husband, You didn't just see that. You didn't see anything. He kept reassuring me that we were safe and it was all just a nightmare and I didn't have to be afraid. My whole body was trembling and I got up to get water and we sat awake and he comforted me for several hours until I started to get... Light out, and I felt safe enough to go to sleep. I felt afraid all day Sunday, Monday, and still shaky on Tuesday and Wednesday, and I barely slept. And when I did, I had bad dreams, although I didn't see the man in the tall hat again.
1: That's what a ridiculous hat. Yeah. How does he get in and out of doors?
0: (laughs) All right, so this last one. I fell asleep on the sofa one night and woke up totally paralyzed. Right behind the recliner of the living room stood a hat man. All I saw was a black shadow, no facial features. My heart was racing and I tried to move or scream for my son but couldn't do either. I have never been so petrified in my life as I thought I would, it was someone in my house. The strange thing is just when I thought I was going to have a heart attack from fear, And knowing I couldn't get away from it, it said to me telepathically, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just going to watch you. Yeah. At that point, I just closed my eyes because I felt like I couldn't stop this thing if it was going to do something. Next thing I know, it was morning. I have not seen it again. That was my first experience with sleep paralysis or the hat man.
1: That's disgusting. Yeah. What a pervert.
0: (laughs) So in summation, I think sleep paralysis is supernatural and paranormal. Supernatural in that it's a very human thing to experience like breathing. But the super part is that it's a powerful experience. You know, like it's it's otherworldly type thing, you know, yeah, kind of like Superman's strength is otherworldly, like larger than everyday life and definitely paranormal in the things we see when we're in that state the creatures that show up that feed on our fear and stuff like that you know i don't know if i'm over explaining but you know what i'm saying
1: yeah no i do get you like that for me the the just the amount of people experiencing the same thing is what.
0: yeah so the sources that i did not mention were live science and bustle And that's my story, and I'm sticking to it.
1: (laughs) Cool. Okay, so a little disclaimer for the start of my story. It's not exactly true crime or paranormal. It's more just a profile of this man's strange life. Life that I found peculiar. There's a little bit of conspiracy, a little bit of paranormal, and there is possibly a little bit of true crime. That's why I found it interesting. So here you go.
0: Tell me a story.
1: So you know how much I love priests. Yeah. And how much priests love me. Yeah. This is a story about a priest.
0: You could say they love you deeply.
1: So deep. (laughs) Hold on. I need to flip this around. So yes. A lovely story about a priest. My sources this week are. The Irish Times, Wikipedia, Coast to Coast, and a documentary called Hostage to the Devil.
0: Oh yeah, I forgot to source that I use Wikipedia for my story too.
1: Okay, so this is about a a fella called Malachi Martin, or Malachi.
0: Malachi sounds better. Let's call him Malachi.
1: Yeah, I think that's an American pronunciation of it. Is it? Yeah. Anyway, we'll just call him Martin.
0: Okay. Still sounds exotic though. (laughs) Malachi.
1: So he was born on the 23rd of July in 1921 in Ballylongford, County Kerry, Ireland, to a middle class family. The children were raised speaking Irish. They were devout Catholics. His parents, Connor and Catherine Fitzmaurice Martin, had five sons and five daughters. Wow. Yeah, because being staunch Catholics, they didn't believe in contraception. And it was the 20s as well.
0: Yeah, you need a lot of labor hands.
1: Well, four out of the five sons went on to become priests. So just a little gaggle of priests. Yeah, like I said, they were middle class but I think they had like a little more money than the average family because I don't know how it was a hundred years ago, but Martin attended Belvedere College in Dublin for secondary school, which being from Kerry, like it's that's not a daily commute, so he would have been boarding in the school at the time. Which I assume would have cost a lot of money. He went on to study philosophy in U C D after that. And in September 1939, he became a novice with the Society of Jesus, which I didn't know is a thing. It's just another name for the Jesuits who take a vow of poverty as well as chastity. So they're like extra hard priests. That didn't come out right. (laughs) (laughs) Keep it. Yes. Extra hard priests. (laughs) Uh, Priests 2.0. He taught for three years and spent four years at milltown park in dublin i googled what milltown park was Mm because i assumed it was an organization or something and it was was where the Irish school of ecumenics was located so i'm assuming he was doing more studying there when i was reading this i read the Irish school of ecumenics and i just i knew what it meant but i had never written down or maybe even seen that word before i was like how do i know like so, I had to I put it into Google and made sure. This is it's a saying from Father Ted, when all the priests get together, and that would be an ecumenical matter. <laughs> so anybody from Ireland should get that. Cool. Yeah, it gave me a little giggle. Uh, anyway, he was ordained in August 1954. He was then sent to the University of Louvain in Belgium. They all said it like that in all the Louvain. It's spelled Louvain, but, uh, you know, it's in Belgium. So, yeah, Louvain, where he got his PhD in archaeology, oriental history, and Semitic languages. So this dude studied fucking hard. hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, he then started postgraduate studies at both the Hebrew University of Jerusalem and Oxford specializing in intertestamentary studies. This is the study of what happened between the New and Old Testament.
2: Interesting.
1: Yeah, so anyway he he got like a huge knowledge of um oh sorry, I'm reading my notes wrong. And knowledge of Jesus Christ and of Hebrew and Arabic manuscripts. Damn. This is what he was specializing. <laughs> So fucking
0: overachiever here.
1: It's all on the fucking priest's money, is he? Uh anyway, while doing this he undertook additional study in rational psychology, experimental psychology, physics and anthropology. Whoa. He then took part in researching the Dead Sea Scrolls and spent a lot of time in the Middle East because he had already studied all these, you know, ancient um fucking Aramaic uh, script and shit like that. Mm-hmm. So around this time, he was in Cairo, in Egypt, practicing his archaeological skills, I guess. Dope. Yeah, so in his own words, he was down on his belly and digging in sand, um, helping to decipher ancient script, shit like that. Stuff that, like, Indiana Jones stuff. Yeah. Basically... And um, one night he gets a call from another priest. And this priest says, hey, my assistant collapsed. I need another assistant ASAP. We're performing an exorcism right now. Whoa. (laughs) So in his own words, he was roped in. And this was his first experience with exorcisms.
0: All right, all right. I'm invested. Go on.
1: Yeah. This doesn't go into like mad... Uh, gruesome details on any specific exorcisms. This is just kind of a little mini biographical piece about the man himself because you'll you'll find out what. Okay. Okay. So, 1958, he became a private secretary to Cardinal Augustin Bea, S.J. If that's how you say any of that, I don't fucking know. But this dude worked directly for the Pope, so. This brought Father Martin in direct contact with Pope Paul VI. Mm-hmm. I had never heard of Pope Paul before. Never really looked into any of the popes. I know John Paul and I know uh, that evil looking one. Remember the German one? Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: Wasn't he like the more progressive one?
1: I don't know. They're all just a bunch of pedophiles. Oh, okay. Anyway, so he spent the next six years at the Vatican where he became a professor and also worked as a translator as well as being the assistant to this dude and just, he kept busy. Right. He also went on um, a pilgrimage back to Jerusalem with the Pope. Now, this made it out to be like a very intimate affair but I'm sure there was fucking thousands of them all from the Vatican that went. So while he was living in the Vatican a thing called the Second Vatican Council
2: mm-hmm.
1: began um, began in 1962 and ended in 1965. So he basically saw the run of the whole thing. Like the, the, the this whole thing was happening while he was there. And this was the modernization of the Catholic Church. I'm using that term very loosely. This was the modernization from like the birth of Jesus Yeah. 1962 (laughs) years later, and compared to what we have today, it's still not very, you know, modern. Yeah. But what I did think was funny was other names for the Second Vatican Council were Vatican II or V two.
2: Oh no shit!
1: (laughs) Yeah.
0: No shit, they sound like action movies.
1: Yeah, this is this is hilarious. But while Father Martin was there. He says that he saw a lot of shit that he didn't like. Uh huh. Now, I was thinking, all right, like, you know, I'm kind of in this guy's pocket at this stage. Like, I like what's going on. Yeah. And he was supposed to be like this liberal priest, like, you know, fairly forward thinking dude. Yeah. But apparently then during V2, the Jesuit order um, became too liberal for his liking. Uh-huh. And they started talking about absurd things like abortion and contraception and he just didn't think that was right Uh. very upset yeah because i didn't find this out until the very end Uh. we have another ways to go but another thing that he um later claimed in like the 80s or something he says that during this second vatican council there was a huge amount of satanism going on in the vatican at the time
0: in the vatican
1: in the vatican via or like as in the pope and his cardinals and all these high up bishops and who are like all they're
0: all beaten satanists
1: yeah now our version of satanism of satanism is and different the, I, yeah. yeah
0: when you say that there there's satanism going on i i'm thinking I, i'm thinking devil worshiping not what actual satanism is about
1: yeah so it, it's something in between oh basically from what I can gather, as I'm reading this, I'm like, God, oh, this dude is fucking like he knows his shit. Yeah. And then a few minutes later, I'm watching this fucking interview, and he's saying, Well, people are out there, uh, and and they're 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 taking their contraceptives, and and and, and basically that is uh, they 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 become l- 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 Luciferians. Uh, what a
2: twat. Yeah. yeah. Right, keep going.
1: But this does sound pretty fucking metal. It's a black mass called the Enthronement of the Fallen Archangel Lucifer.
2: Whoa. Yeah.
1: So apparently this was uh Pope Paul himself performed this like fucking weird black, black mass. mass. Yeah.
2: Dope.
1: Again, I didn't get like too deep into it because he didn't. He's written books about it. Yeah. So and I will go on to get the books eventually. But basically there was just a lot of shit going on in the Vatican at this time.
0: It goes down in the Vatican. <laughs> yeah.
1: So not only are they, you know, playing with their little children that they all keep as pets yeah they are also actively summoning the devil supposedly
0: i i heard that there's that they have texts like the they have what they deem the official way of how to summon the devil himself
1: oh yeah like there's a lot of like dark magic shit going on there. that's like I had to stop myself from reading so much shit early on because I was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's all here. I found the answers. Um, no, but interestingly enough, Pope Paul VI, this is a, a direct quote from him. I don't know. How do you think a pope sounds?
0: Old.
2: Oh, With really, like a, uh, like,
0: a he has a dry mouth and he has a dry throat. Probably Italian. And, like, he probably sounds like he has a really fat tongue.
1: Yeah.
0: Or something. I don't know. Yeah. There's a lot of mouth (laughs) sounds.
2: It
1: is as if from some mysterious crack. (laughs) Oh. It is not mysterious. From some crack, the smoke of Satan has entered the temple of God.
0: Our fucking listeners are gonna have at it. Like they're gonna, they're gonna be so pissed because they're gonna be like, "It's in my ear." Yeah, I can't. So they're understand. gonna be listening with headphones.
1: Enjoy. So, just in case that sounds fucking dumb, it is as if from some mysterious crack. No, it is not mysterious. From some crack, the smoke of Satan has entered the temple <laughs> of God.
2: <laughs> What's so funny about that? Say it again.
1: It is as if from some mysterious crack. No, it is not mysterious. From some crack, the smoke of Satan has entered the temple of God. And that is a serious quote. He's saying, you know, it's like the f- this is all about the fall of the Catholic Empire and all.
0: All right. Tell me more about this crack.
1: Okay. So May 1965, Father Martin receives a provisional release from the Jesuit order as he wasn't too happy about how, how they were turning out too liberal and he also so along with this he receives a dispensation from his vows of poverty and obedience but would remain a lay priest now everything i've read i have been able to find contradicting (laughs) statements so the jesuits themselves say that when um what's the word when he was given this like dispensation basically his right to practice as a priest was also removed so the jesuits claim that he is not a priest ever since 1965 Mm -hmm. but he practiced as a priest until the day he died yeah not as a like he didn't have a a, what like a a parish or anything like that he was just a lay priest basically that that's apparently what they called and then i did read somewhere that he was secretly made a bishop at this time as well but i literally i read it on one of these fucking weird sites that i didn't um quote as a source because I read so many articles that I just could not justify putting them in the thing. <laughs> it was like, you know, dudes just kind of making up their own shit. Uh. But that was actually from a Catholic blog, which is probably one of the worst ones. But anyway, yeah, it, it couldn't find anything else about it. They never mention it again. I just thought I'd throw that in to show you like, the just the strange rumors that come up about the guy. So anyway, after getting the dispensation, he moves to New York and becomes a dishwashing waiter who drives a cab
0: so random <laughs>
1: yeah so with this uh you know special dispensation he was just free to go as he as wherever he pleased so he moved to new york and he just did whatever he could to make ends meet for about a year and he was he received a grant from the guggenheim fellowship to write books because like he had already like published papers on All these subjects that he had studied and stuff. Anyway once he got this grant. And man he didn't have to do those jobs anymore. He went on to write many successful books. About religious crisis. And quote unquote novels. Detailing many secrets of the Vatican. Which he is on record as saying. That they are factual stories. That could only be told in a novel. So. If he is to be believed. Like. Um. He's basically changed names and dates and stuff and made up these stories, but they're all based on fact. Okay. And it goes into the Satanism and uh, Freemasons, Illuminati, all this fucking heavy shit that I would literally end up in a mental asylum (laughs) if I was to get too sucked in. I can't handle it.
0: That's absolutely true. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But anyway, his most popular book was the 1976 Hostage to the Devil. The Possession and Exorcism of Five Living Americans. Now, at the time, The Exorcist itself, the movie, had just come out in
0: 1971. Mm -hmm. My mom said that she had nightmares after watching that.
1: Yeah, I mean...
0: She would sleep with a picture of her mom.
1: My mom wouldn't allow it on the TV in the house. Yeah. Like, if my mom was upstairs in bed, we weren't allowed to watch it downstairs. She was just terrified. Yeah. And that was... What, 30 years later? But anyway, the the author of The Exorcist felt that he kind of had the rights to that genre. Like, he had made this groundbreaking movie. Like, this is a whole new... Um,
0: kind of horror
2: movie?
1: Yeah, like, taking people away from the old, like, Frankenstein and stuff like that. Yeah. So he was, like, on the top of his fucking game. And the owner of the publishing company was actually good friends with the author of The Exorcist. hmm So Father Martin had to... Get a written letter from the Pope himself, to say no, no, like this is the type of work that I do. These cases are all legit, and that was the only way that he, this man would publish the books. It's all about who
0: you know, kids. Not, yeah, not what you know. It's who you know.
1: It's like oh, good. I like I'm friends with the Pope. Give me two minutes. I'll I'll just call him up. But yeah, and still the the author of The Exorcist was like fucking fuming. He was like, this is all bullshit. And it kind of caused like uh, a little mini rap feud where uh, the author of The Exorcist wrote a review and published it in the LA Times and started off like the first sentence in the review was I hate this book.
0: (laughs) What a fucking child. Yeah,
1: but then Father Martin then on like, I think it was a pbs documentary or something or not document like interview that i was watching went on to say like that is absolute drivel what goes on in that film is nothing like what happens in real life <laughs> so <laughs> you
0: tell him elika
2: <laughs> yeah
1: so there was this kind of like weird back and forth but essentially he outsold the exorcist with this book dope he went on to become a prominent figure in the paranormal world claiming to have assisted and being present for hundreds and hundreds of exorcisms both minor and major now his description of an exorcism could be anywhere from exercising an alcoholic or someone with depression or you know like very loose terms compared to what we are expecting after being brought up watching the exorcist the exorcism of emily rose all these types of films but he did work quite closely with Ed and Lorraine Warren. Now, I couldn't find any specific cases, but they did have him as a guest lecturer, you know, the way they used to teach uh, classes. I think it was in NYU. They used to get him in. So, that's all the facts, or most of the facts anyway, that I have. After watching the documentary and reading like different or watching different interviews and reading all the stuff, the impression that I got from him about him was that this dude is like Charles Manson. He is a cult leader, but without a cult. Oh. to describe him every word is jim jones or any of these cult leaders you know he is this is exact words from people in the that documentary Hostage to the devil he was so charismatic so charming tantalizing so confident could make anyone feel special like they're the only person in the room
0: yep that's a cult leader
1: women and men both describing just this like raw sexual energy yeah coming from this fucking priest so yeah he apparently he had like a very crude sense of humor and he was just basically everything that people weren't expecting a priest to be he didn't wear his collar he was he was
0: like the cool guy
1: yeah you know okay and i think like his own morals were very loose Mm -hmm. but he also acted extremely holy like holier than thou and yeah he would often tell like dirty jokes and make really inappropriate remarks and stuff like this. But people would just be like, oh, he's so funny. and Yeah, yeah. That was it. There's multiple reports from sleeping with married women.
0: Whoa.
1: Yeah, his, like, friends, wives, stuff That's like crazy. this. That's crazy. Yeah, and then his, like, let's call them followers, or, like, straight away, no, 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 no. I know Malachi, and he would never do that to nobody. <laughs> and then this other dude's like, I mean, I didn't want to believe that he was in love with my wife. But after so many months, I just had to admit to myself that he is a liar and a cheater. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's like, and this is all just in this one documentary. And because uh, what I was reading, all the like kind of profiles about him, which basically this is just a profile about the person. Yeah. They were fucking glowing reviews
2: mm-hmm.
1: or absolute fucking. Shitting all over him, but yeah, he seemed to use people until he had no more use for them, or basically they became too clingy or too possessive of him. All the conflicting reports, the Jesuits claiming that he wasn't even a priest anymore, the people in the in the documentary, all seemed to be totally infatuated with him. Anything he said was gospel to them, like no pun intended. Um, a lot of people when these books came out started saying that maybe he himself was actually possessed because you know he's using all of these basically manipulating these stories to make his own fortune and all this and like he lived in Manhattan until the day he died some other like right wing bullshit that he did come out and say was um, the flood of refugees were causing evil when he himself was an immigrant I didn't re- Oh,
0: he's that kind of person? Yeah. Quickly losing favor with me.
1: Yeah. Uh, he also blamed television and music for people letting the devil in. Anyway, Malachi, Malachi Martin died of an intracerebral hemorrhage due to a fall in his apartment in Manhattan in 1999. His one friend said that he got a call that mo- morning from Martin saying, Bob, I've had a bit of a tumble. I've hit my head. I was reaching for the book and standing on a stool in my study and I had the stool knocked out from under me. Apparently old Scratch wasn't too happy with what we'd just done up in Connecticut. So they had just performed an exorcism on a four year old girl.
0: Yeah, isn't Scratch a nickname for the devil?
1: Is that Because okay? yeah, I actually it is. didn't know that. I thought this was just like a like a kind of an in thing with him and his buddy. Yeah. So the friend says he was knocked off the stool. Again, this is kind of just summing up this part of the documentary. Straight away the next friend says she knows that he claims he was pushed. But what is unclear is whether or not he was pushed by an evil spirit or a human. Okay. Another person says he was pushed off the ladder in an act of an assassin in an act of assassination because of all the terrible things he had done in the past. In terms of like lying and cheating. That was actually the man who. Whose wife was. Getting it good. The old the old father. And. Then apparently he told another friend. That he hadn't fallen. This creature had grabbed him. Just above his ankle. And caused him to fall. But. According to the first person that he called. To say like come help me. Because this friend had a car. And I'm convinced that that's the only reason. Why he was a friend. He went into a coma when he got to the hospital. That he never came out of. So all this like fucking conjecture and stuff. Every little detail of this man's life. Is contradicted by one person or another. We will never know like the actual truth. So was he this fantastic Indiana Jones. Demon fighting savior of humanity. Or was he some hypocritical zealot. Whose only motives were fame and fortune and sex. Um, basically, that was it, and uh another random fact David Berkowitz, the son of sam, uh who claimed initially to be possessed by a demon, and that's why he did what he did
0: mm-hmm, neighbor's dog, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, you know the story uh he actually approached Father Martin to assist in writing his autobiography,
0: no shit,
1: which Martin declined.
0: <laughs> he's like nah dude bad press
1: <laughs> yeah um, which uh, anyway at the end of the day he died a 78 year old man falling off a stool in his apartment whether he was pushed by the devil himself some assassin from the Vatican or whether he just slipped and fell because he was 78 yeah, we will never know that's what it says in his obituary so (laughs) anyway we've got a story from one of our listeners crystal um who wants us to shout out her instagram okay um in case any of our other listeners have had similar stories Uh, so it's crystalline rose i think so c-h-r-i-s-t-a-l-l-e-i-n-r-o-s-e and I'm, I hope I pronounced that properly. So she says, I've never shared this story with many people, but here it goes. Thank you for giving me a platform to share this. You're more than welcome. I've always been drawn to the paranormal and the paranormal has always been drawn to me. Maybe it's because of my, because of its taboo nature with Christianity. My family is super Christian, so I was always warned to not entertain anything that considered, that was considered paranormal. No psychics, Ouija boards, scary movies, seances. Anything considered to be a part of the occult was extremely taboo. Even though I had my own experiences with the occult and had left the Christian faith, I was always very sceptical and always second-guessing my experiences with the paranormal. Being the rebellious person I am, I have always sought out the things my Christian family told me not to entertain. Even though I've had really scary experiences in my life with the paranormal, nothing really deterred me from opening those doors. Every time I did something or every time I did something I was told not to do, it gave me a rush. Even still, I have a very healthy skepticism and always question all of my experiences. I had a friend about 6 years ago. We are no longer friends because of the story I'm about to tell. Who would always be down to do weird spooky stuff with me. We would go to haunted places, go to psychics, but we never crossed the line into contacting spirits ourselves. He lived with his grandmother. Where they live is notorious for having been a working plantation, and unfortunately had sla- they had slaves on that plantation. According to the history of the area, the slaves are buried all around. My friend told me about the fact that his grandmother's house was haunted by a little girl. According to him and his grandmother, this little girl was very playful. She would make things move and would steal and hide things frequently. My friend asked me if I wanted to perform a seance to contact this little girl to see what was going on and if we could make contact at all. It gave me a lot of anxiety because this was one of the, th- the big things that I was warned by my super Christian family not to do. I didn't care so I said, okay, why the hell not? Nothing will happen and it'll just be for fun. So we get candles and we go into the room with the most alleged activity. No one was home at this time, otherwise they would have probably thought we were totally nuts. My friend and I sat on the ground across from each other in front of the bed that was in the room and surrounded ourselves with candles. He also brought out some crystals for protection, he said. He looks up on his phone how to perform a seance. He found some website and recited what they had wrote. It went something like, if there are any spirits who would like to speak with us, please come forward and do so. You have our permission. After he said that, we waited and nothing happened. We were laughing because we felt so stupid. We sat there for about ten minutes pondering our life choices when all of a sudden I felt a hot breath over my right shoulder, moving and tickling my hair. I froze and thought to myself, what the actual fuck? Then I heard this low guttural growl in that same ear. I stared at my friend, wide-eyed and tears running down my face, chills all over my body, saying, Do you hear that? Do you see my hair moving? As soon as I said that, the breathing and growling went over to him. We immediately blew out the candles, he closed out the seance, and we ran out of that room. We went outside to smoke a cigarette, and we were in shock of what just happened. I was so afraid, like I cannot even express to you how scared I was. I said I wanted to go home, so I did. I got home really late that night. I took a shower and crawled into bed. I couldn't sleep so I put on my headphones and started watching YouTube, still afraid out of my mind. All of a sudden I heard noises while I had my headphones on. I took one out of my ear and listened. There was a pounding on the other side of my wall. My brain couldn't really comprehend it so I got up and listened closer. Something was in the other room banging on the wall. I went and checked the other room and nothing was there. I started to panic. I tried to find any logical explanation for it, but it sounded so ominous and intentional. I had the epiphany that this spirit had followed me home. I crawled into my bed and pulled the sheets over my head, praying for the banging to stop so I could go to sleep. It eventually stopped about two hours later. I never got the whole pull, pulling your covers over your head thing. That makes me more afraid. Like, I, I need to at least be able to see. Mm-hmm. If that wasn't bad enough, I started to hear scratching on the walls and on the floor outside my bedroom. You know when you can see under the door like a shadow of someone standing there? That's what I saw standing at my door. I continued to hear the scratching. My heart was chaotically beating. I started to pray, God, please protect me. Finally, it all stopped and I could get some restless sleep. The next night, things got a lot worse. I had my light on so I wouldn't be scared. And I had my TV on for some background noise. I tried to find something cheerful to watch to even out the fear I was feeling. All of a sudden, I heard this buzzing. I thought, that's weird. This bug was like flying at me, charging me. It landed on my water bottle and it was the strangest fly I have ever seen. I'm still not sure if this was some weird coincidence or if it had something to do with whatever seemed to be haunting me. I'm still unsure but it would make sense with what came to follow days later. I started to drift off in a half-sleep, still hearing the footsteps outside my door and the scratching on the walls. All of a sudden, I felt the same breathy heat I'd felt when we conjured whatever it was in the days before. I started to slowly open my eyes, and standing over me at the side of my bed was this being, incredibly tall and dark. It had the form of a person, But it wasn't a person, if that makes sense. It was visibly pissed the fuck off and staring at me like he wanted to harm me. Its energy was awful. Like, think of a time when you were terrified and that's what filled the room. I feel sick thinking about it and typing this. I didn't know what to do so I just said, please go away. It was still there staring at me. It walked slowly to the front of my bed, standing there. I just shut my eyes, praying for whatever it was to leave. I was desperately begging it to leave. I legitimately thought I was going to die. I took some deep breaths and just lay down. I tried to pretend it wasn't there. Finally, I felt it grab my leg and it left. I couldn't sleep that whole night. Immediately, when it was a decent hour, I called my grandma. I told her what I did, what had been happening to me, and that I was so tired from whatever it is that was that had been torturing me for a week. She had me put her on speakerphone and she prayed over my and she prayed over my room and house. She told me to leave my Bible open and have my praise and worship music in the background. It felt mu- much better after she prayed. The air felt lighter. things still happened for a few days, but eventually it all stopped. I called my friend and told him everything. Things were happening to him too, but he was in denial about it. I never thought in a million years something like this would happen to me. What I do know is that what I experienced was incredibly traumatic and not something I like to bring up out of fear of being judged, people not believing me, etc. But with talking about it and recognizing what happened brings healing and light to this darkness that happened. I haven't had any experiences dealing with something so dark since then, which I'm for which I am truly grateful. I did my best to shut all of those doors to the spirit. I did my best to shut all of those doors to that spirit, even if that meant cutting off the friend I did the séance with. I didn't need the I didn't need that energy in my life. Once you experience something like that, you become very protective of your energy. At least that's what happened to me. When we thought we were contacting a little girl, We, in fact, contacted something else. What I learned is to not open doors you can't shut. Thanks for reading, Crystal.
0: Wow. It's
1: a pretty heavy story, right?
0: Yeah, it is. It's unfortunate that you couldn't, you and uh, your friend couldn't stay friends, but, I mean, you did what you had to do, you know?
1: Yeah, by the sounds of things, he didn't learn his lesson, so probably for the best. Yeah, shut that shit out. You don't need that.
0: Yeah, thank you for sending us your listener story. That was that was really good.
1: Yeah. And like we keep saying <laughs> we love all of your listener stories. Yeah. No matter how long or short or exciting or boring you might think they are.
0: We'll think it's fucking cool and we'll still yeah. fucking read it.
1: Absolutely. So that's it for this week of Weekly Creep.
0: Yes. We'll see you next week, or we'll talk to you next week.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Everything is at Weekly Creep. If you have your own listener story that you do want to share with us, send it to at uh, or send it to weeklycreep at gmail dot com. Um wanna say thank you to all of our listeners from everywhere. Mm-hmm. This week we had uh Argentina, Germany, I don't know if we had them before. We've got like Australia, New Zealand, UK, I don't know, there's a lot of fucking countries. Mexico, yeah. Brazil.
0: Yeah, and if there's something that you want us to cover, let us know. I think it's really cool that we have listeners from all around the country and all around the world. But, uh, I'm sorry, all around the world. <laughs> and for that reason, you know, I I want to know what's out there. You know, like I want to know um, your local criminals that are notorious and also your paranormal stories and your folklore and stuff like that that we obviously won't know about unless you tell us. So if you want us to cover any of that, let us know about that, too
1: yeah any of like any weird little stories from your like locale so denmark denmark is another one that i forgot to mention and the netherlands i think that's all of them so far but uh one thing i will say is ireland is not on the top of the list we have too many listeners all over and ireland is starting to slip down
2: oh snap yeah
1: so do your fucking job ireland <laughs> start listening more um but yeah so that's it we'll talk to you guys next week Bye. Bye.